We go from the rough, corrupt, backstabbing streets of Gotham City to the rough, corrupt, backstabbing lecture halls of higher academia as we go deep into Mariama Diallo's Master, today on Script to Screen. Truly, one of the best episodes we've ever done as Kenyatta, Mark, and I cover this little indie gem hiding right on Amazon Prime streaming catalog. We hope this encourages more to see the movie, but we recommend listening to us after watching it as we do cover the entirety of this tense work on the subtle and overt racial horrors in higher education. Remember, you can join the Boston Screenwriters Group on meetup.com and RSVP for a Screenwriters Virtual Forum, peer-reviewing scripts, giving feedback on fellow writers' work while networking with them as well. Please check out the links on our Anchor.fm profile to follow us online, donate, or leave us a nice message to let us know how we're doing. We hope to see you at one of these virtual forums. Until then, enjoy the podcast. Because uh, we have a movie to get to. Um, and uh, yeah, we decided to go with something a little bit more off the beaten track in terms of the streaming platforms. It's on Amazon Prime. It dropped about uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, it's, um, I want to make sure I get the director's name. Uh, it's um, Morama uh, Diallo, from, uh, with, starting with Gina Hall. It's a, uh, a call, I should have said, called Master. And, uh, it's a, Another sort of uh, uh, in the in this well, I don't want to, I don't really want to say in the vein of uh, Jordan Peele because he's not the only one, but in the, in the vein of Jordan Peele, sort of like this uh, horror movie that uh, deals with uh, uh, deals with you know society issues, you know, uh, capital S society with uh, in terms of uh, racism and uh, what stuff that's ingrained in our institutions, and um, yeah, it would say. Um, uh, just, uh, I guess I could, we could just start off with, uh, first, uh, you know, our over, uh, our first thoughts about it or, you know, yeah, just, uh, overall, uh, thoughts about the, uh, the work. Well, well, well the director is, um, I believe is pronounced Mariama Diallo and she both directed and she wrote the screenplay and, uh, and it's about, yeah, like you said, it's called master and. It's about three women strive to find their place at an elite Northeastern University when anonymous racist attacks target a black freshman and uh, who insists she is being haunted by ghosts. Each woman must determine where the real menace lies. Now, like the uh, most, basically the, uh, uh, the, you know, the main person is Regina Hall, played by Regina Hall. And um, Zoe Renee is the other actor. She plays the black freshman. And um, I'm trying to think of the other name of the, there's another, Amber Gray. Okay, she plays Liv Beckman. And um, the name of the character that Zoe Renee plays is Jasmine Moore. And Regina Hall plays Gail Bishop. So Gail Bishop, played by Regina Hall, is his master. Um, Zoe Renee as Jasmine Morris, the freshman. And there's a, the, the third black person on campus is Liz Beckman. She's one of the professors. So um, in terms of, uh, you know, I I did like the, uh, for just a thought there that there is going to be, she's one of the, Miyama Diallo is one of the uh, uh, few black women that are, you know, fresh in the scene. There's others too, because you know, uh, Kenny Man just came out recently over the past year, and she, you know, she's another one. Um, 
and pretty much there's some, some similarities in terms of um, both films, and you did mention Get Out, but the cinematography is fantastic. The production design, even the wardrobe, the acting. Um, I'm, I just, you know, you go, the, like the lighting is impeccable. Um, it's not, it may not be the most natural lighting, but sometimes I think, um, like there was a scene when um, she was having a dream, the freshman, when uh, the freshman, uh, um, Jasmine Moore, she was having, she was having a, a, a dream, but first, don't let on this, that's a dream. But because I was telling my wife, I looked, I turned on my, turned over to my wife. I was like, because usually the line is not, it's supposed to be embedded in the story and telling the story is advice to help tell the story. But it was just so unnatural, even though it was beautiful. I mean, but then I said, campus is not supposed to be that dark, you know. And and, and it, what they were doing a tour of the parents of the students who were, you know on campus and they're kind of like doing this tour showing the, the, the parents around. And um, this is when uh, uh, Jasmine, she walks up on the tour and it's like, you see all these red lights, so on and so forth. And it's like, then I realized it was a dream. I said, oh, okay, so there was a purpose why the lighting was so unnatural. So I kind of like how, you know, they use a cinematography to help tell the story in that sense. and. Like I said, the practical lighting was impeccable, and even the wardrobe was, you know, uh, worked wonderfully in conjunction with the production design. Um, the setting, um, the buildings were beautiful to look at, all the ar architecture, and uh, even there was a diary where um, the first Black student there, um, she, she, she died in 1968. Yeah, diary. She even talked about the building. So, um, yeah. So I like the, you know, in terms of horror films, um, it had that the the atmosphere of it. So it had the atmosphere around. It. So those are some of the positives that I could say of this film. Yeah, I, I would say um, it's funny that. I guess one of the descriptors on IMDb, IMDb talks about three women that kind of navigate, kind of navigate their way around this place. I always thought of it as two, right? I mean, I always thought of it being the Regina Hall character, um, Gail Bishop, um, and um, Jasmine Moore, that character Jasmine Moore, played by Zoe Renee. Uh, we even see uh, early on that, that their kind of entree into the campus kind of... Um, it's, it's damn near split screen in terms of uh, they're both entering camps at the same time, it's, it's, and they're just kind of back and you know, back and forth between uh, their two experiences being introduced to the campus and what life's all about. Um, the other character I think that they're trying to suggest is part of the triumvirate. Uh, um, I think of her as being somewhat um, not peripheral, but but not you know having the same footing as the other two, obviously less camera, uh, less screen time. Um, and in some sense it's almost a bit of a subplot, but um, yeah, for, for me, this is, you know, a, a film about the ways in which black people feel they have to contort themselves 
to fit into certain, um, I guess, areas of society. And it's not just the, the freshman. It's not just the, the professor or the headmaster. It goes all the way to um, the cafeteria workers. We, we even see a scene where they're trying to contort themselves and, and, and behave in a way that um, is, is certainly welcoming to uh, the white students there, yet you know, cold toward the black um, students, right? Um, so even they've kind of picked up or learned a certain type of behavior that's going to get them kudos in that environment. Uh, and they realize there's really nothing to be, to be um, gained by being friendly to other black people, right? So what does that do, not just to the psyche of the black people in that space who have to contort themselves, but also to the white people who are, if not hosts, uh, they're individuals who like um, the uh, Jasmine character are freshmen as well, but feel as if they have a place there. They have some ownership there. Um, because of their lineage, maybe their legacies, or maybe they're just, they're just people who, you know, know other freshmen who were there. That kind of suggests early on that, you know, the white freshmen who were there with her, if they don't know each other, a lot of them have been around the same kind of circles and they, they belong and she does it. So what do you do as a person of color, a black woman in this case, to contort yourself to, to fit into spaces where you often aren't welcome? What lengths will you go to and where's your breaking point? Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting that uh, the last uh, last real movie we talked about together was uh, was the was the Batman, you know, taking place in uh, you know the center of crime and corruption and you know the backstabbing of Gotham and the the and we go to another sort of uh, uh, ruthless, corrupted sort of institution that uh, real life academia. So uh, not quite uh, sort of the, the um, sort of a real life parallel there, or at least if you want to try to do a I'll uh, try to do some comparisons between uh, what we last talked about. Uh, yes, this is a uh, great sort of slow burn. Uh, I even, I mean, there's, there's, the, uh, no, it's definitely a horror movie, but it's not a horror movie in the way that, oh, you know, there's a jump scare every, you know, every the 20 minutes or so just to, you know, jolt you out of your seat to make sure you're awake. Uh, there are jump scares here, but it's not really. Uh, it's not really, you know, the symbols crashing together, you know, the the, the big orchestral score that, uh, you know, that comes up and, you know, there's a scary image. Uh, it's more the buildup of uh, a lot of things are in the background, a lot of things are in the foreground. You know, uh, there's, there's these great images of um, uh, uh, of groups of white people, you know, just staring at, uh, you know, uh, one of the characters, uh, you know, uh, whether that's the... Uh, uh, the, the professor, professor by Eugenia Hall, or the the student, or the uh, you know uh, uh, the hopeful uh, tenured professor. Uh, there's all these images of you know, and it's just uneasiness. There's just uh, um, it, 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 there, that goes on, and it's um, you know it reflects, of course, real life uh, racial fears, and and and, uh, and that's why I made the comparison to sort of uh, Jordan Peele's work. Uh, at least with uh, definitely with uh, there's definitely a lot of get out vibes, but this is really doing its own sort of thing. It's a, in a different environment, uh, as I said right at the top, uh, a very uh, ruthless, corrupted sort of institution that is academia. And uh, they, they lay it bare here. They're, they uh, they really uh, they they uh, air out a lot of uh, uh, grievances that uh, 
that black people have had about uh, in, uh, you know these ivory tower institutions, if you will, that are supposed to you know be inclusive and representative of a society, and uh, time and again they've proven to be not, and uh, uh, and it, it lays bare it lays bare a lot of those uh, those things visually and both in dialogue. Uh, yeah, this is this is a, this is a great little movie. Uh, did not get a lot of uh, push, you know, in terms of promotion, but uh, if you're scrolling through Amazon Prime and you're uh, looking for a sort of uh, off the beaten track sort of horror movie, uh, this yeah, this is that you could do a lot worse than this. In fact, yeah, this this will uh, probably make it somewhere in my end of the year list because I'll definitely uh, this is one that it will keep on uh, percolating in the mind. Yeah, when I first saw it, um, after I saw it the first time, I tried to watch it a little bit earlier a second time. Um, I got halfway through, but um, I wasn't sure what to make because I, I couldn't say even after the first time. Uh, I had a lot of questions, and because of those questions, I was wondering what I really thought of it. Like, Because uh, if you look at the ratings, it's like saying 4.8 out of 10. Uh, you know, just in hindsight, even then I wouldn't have rated it that low. So I wasn't sure what to make of it because there was a lot of stuff I liked about it. And um, I guess because of the questions, it made me question whether, you know, what to, it's kind of like one of those things where you don't want to judge it until you've seen it a second time. And, um, but I knew there was something about it where I could, like, there were some movies I don't like. It's like, I could tell you right off the bat, I don't like this movie. You know, I, uh, you know, I would give this three, you know, stars out of 10, you know what I'm saying? So this one is, there was something about it that said, you know, no, I cannot give this a bad review because this, I kept thinking about it. I never stopped thinking about it. It's like, no, I got to give this, because there was a lot of good stuff in it. You know, there's a lot of good stuff in it, um, but I do have questions. Um, but anyways, um, uh, what was I going to say? And, and and another thing I think they did very well were the, the, the microaggressions. I mean, like, for example, um, you know, I, I tried not to, at the beginning of our talk, to, um, to introduce any spoilers, but um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm gonna talk about some scenes, uh, examples of the microaggression. And I told my wife, I said, I noticed when uh, Jasper first moved in, she was the first one to move into the room. And then, um, you know, she has the roommate. And the roommate, you know, she turns around, her roommate is right there in the door, and she's startled. It's like, what the hell? I told my wife, I said, what the hell is she startled for? Because she was already in the room. It's not like, you know, but anyways, then later on in the film, I noticed she got, it's, it's, it was like a repeated thing. It's like her roommate kept getting startled. It's like, what the hell are you getting startled for? It's like, you know, it seemed like she was kind of like hypersensitive. You know, it's like, why, you, you know, if you haven't seen the film, you'll see, you'll see what I'm talking about. It's like, what's wrong with this girl? It's like, this, this, this girl could barely move without you getting startled. So um, anyways, but the microaggressions, um, there was a time when um, there was a party in their room and she, you know, her roommate had, you know, some friends over in their room and she comes in, you know, she's the only black girl. And um, somebody asked, asked who it was 
he asked one of the guys to guess, and they started saying stuff like Beyonce, Lizzo, and, you know, and it's like, come on, man. It's like, uh, it's one thing to deal with microaggressions, but it's different. It hits different when you're the only one you're surrounded by folks that are, you know what I'm saying? You're the, you're the target, and it's like you don't have any allies. Like, um, later on, there was a party, and I said, I already knew what was going to happen. You know, she first tried to enter the party, and they were going to refuse her in, talking about, well, we're full to capacity. But then her roommate comes out, I was like, no, let her in, what are you, do- what are you doing? So, okay, that started off, you know, I was like, okay, this is not looking good. So they dance and dancing and everything, and then all of a sudden, they dance to this pretty much so-called, quote-unquote, black music. So I was like, oh, you know where this is going. As soon as I said that, they played like a, a gangster rap song, and you know what's going to happen. Uh, the rapper's going to use the N-word because they were singing along with the song. And sure enough, she was a room full of people using the N-word. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, can you imagine you're the only one? And it's like you have no, it's like, what are you going to say? I mean, it's, it's one thing when one person says it, but you have a room full of people saying it all around you. So it was like, this, this film had like so many scenes like that where you felt the tension, you felt the microaggression. And uh, they were like a, on an island all to themselves, you know? So um, the film did really well with that. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And oh, one, one more thing, too. Uh, like I mentioned, you know, we keep mentioning uh, Gail Bishop and Jasmine Moore, the freshmen, but also Liv Beckman. And, uh, and um, you know, they had it with the braids. So I was like, I told my wife, right? I was like, they had her look like Rachel Dozal. You know, because my, my wife kept saying, she's really white. She's, she's really a white person. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But, um, you know, they, you know, they have like little, I guess, Easter egg moments and so on and so forth, and little clues here and there. So um, like, I agree with, uh, you know, it's a nice slow burn and, uh, you know, but there was, like I said, I'll get to my questions later. So I'll get somebody else to turn, you know, to talk. So I'll mention the questions later. Yeah. So, you know, the first thing that I, I thought about when watching this movie is, is this was a, a discussion or an examination of in um, what they call um, social structure versus governance structure uh, discussions in ethnic studies. So in other words, really, really quickly, if we're talking about marginalized groups. Um, when those marginalized groups engage in conversations with each other inside the group, um, they're having governance structure discussions. And the governance structure is who the people of that marginalized group are to each other. Social structure arguments are those, or discussions are those that happen uh, between the marginalized group and the larger, more dominant group. And so social structure arguments or discussions are who the marginalized group is to the larger, more dominant group. In this situation, on this campus, this fictionalized campus in this movie, every person of color is engaged in a negotiation about what matters more, the governance structure, who we are to each other, 
or who we are to the dominant group. And when they first find themselves in those situations, they're trying to, again, contort themselves or make themselves acceptable uh, to the dominant group. As evidenced by Jasmine's change of her hairstyle. She goes in with a natural hairstyle, curly hair, uh, and she then at some point presses it or, or, or processes it. Processes it. Um, I, I think as, as an uh, indication that she's trying to find a way to fit in or uh, to make herself seem as if she's more a part of the group. Um, she accepts, as you know, Kenyatta kind of suggested before, uh, these barbs kind of thrown at her about who she is, whether she's a Williams sister or Beyonce, whoever. She's, more, she's not critical of that. She doesn't fight back or push back on that. She just wants to be accepted. And the danger is when we look at the governance structure, as people in a, from a marginalized group, when we think of the governance structure as being less important than the social structure, who we are to other people ends up taking a higher importance um, than who we are to each other, then that's where the confusion comes in, uh, where the erosion of one's identity comes in, uh, and, and where, you know, really uh, things t- start to fall apart. So when, when uh, Jasmine is in the food service line and the um, lunch lady, whatever cafeteria worker is talking to these white students and, and um, making uh, comments to them about, you know, you're looking great today, your outfit's wonderful, your smiles is, 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 you know, so welcoming and inviting. And then here comes Jasmine, she's next to get her food and the food service worker gives her this kind of cold look. That's you know evidence that the food service worker is totally within the social structure in terms of her thinking. What's more important is who she is to these white folks opposed to the person who's more like her. And there's even vitriol or some, some animosity seemingly toward the person who's like them. So, you know, this is, you know, an exercise, this whole film's exercise in those who are marginalized, how do they see themselves um, in these spaces and which, you know, is more important, the social structure, the governance structure, or is there some sort of, some sort of balance? Because every person who is a, a person who is a person of color or a black person in the situation seems to be compromised, you know, as far as, as that's concerned, maybe until the end of the movie where there's a realization that, well, maybe I have to care about me uh, from Regina Hall's character, um, as evidence, you know, in her, her interaction with the campus police. And, yeah, um, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. No, so, and this is why this is from these repeated viewings, because uh, and maybe that's another similarity with Get Out, where you can see Get Out multiple times. Even that movie Us by the same person, Jordan Peele, it's just so full of symbolism. Like the most innocuous thing that seemingly means doesn't really mean anything. Then you turn around and you see, you know, it's, it shows that it means a lot. And um, so when she first gets on camp- campus, I'm talking about Jasmine. She's that black freshman, like I said, uh, when she was, uh, gave her name and, 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 and um, I guess the RA uh, was taking attendance or whatever. And uh, she was she was telling people, oh my God, look what room she's in, 302. So people don't understand that 302, the, the number 302 has a, uh, it's, it's, symbol, it's, it's symbolic, uh, it's an angel number. It um, it's social side. It's uh, 
you know, will further strengthen the ability to social relationships. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like, even if something seemingly doesn't mean anything, actually means something. So it's like, if you don't, if you don't pay attention, you'll miss a lot. But a lot of people don't know that, you know, uh, the significance of the number 302. And um, yeah, so I don't know if anybody else knows like little things that seem kind of symbolism that doesn't seem, things that doesn't seem like it means anything that you notice actually is like, right. wow, wow, this is. Yeah, I thought about Pavlov's dogs, right? Because th there was the bell, the ding that would happen at certain moments. Uh, and I think I've got to go back and look at it again. But I thought that those were happening during moments where it was obvious that she had been fully immersed in, um, again, but I thought about social structure investment, right? First time it, it happens when she's taking a moment to sit down and, and pose for a picture. Yeah. Apparently, every person who's the headmaster of that particular building has a portrait painted of them that goes on a wall somewhere. And while she's sitting waiting for this portrait to be painted, um, the ding goes off, right? She's kind of, again, uh, um, yielding to um, the, the trappings of this, this place and invest, being invested in, um, again, having a picture painted to be on the wall. She's now uh, a part of the campus and she has um, signaled by the bell. She, she's contorted herself in a way that's allowed her to be, I guess, better compromised. I think every time that the bell goes off, it's one of those moments. Yeah, and going off of that, uh, yeah, um, um, at least a few of those particular instances with the bell and she goes up to the attic to look around, um, there she opens up a drawer and she like looks at her uh, uh, a uh, uh, ordained painting of her uh, as the master of the uh, of the house, and there's maggots just like uh, everywhere, like uh, there's maggots on the clothing and the on the canvas, and um, yeah, I, I think that's an, it's a nice little visual metaphor to you know everything looks like everything looks like just uh, you know neat, neat and tidy and everything, but there's there's rot underneath. There, there's something not quite right with everything going on, and I think that that's a great sort of. Um, sort of the first instances when you know stuff is about to go down like so uh, nothing good is because now that uh you know it's down in the open now that the, there's rot going on here there's there's something not quite right with you know there's there's something fishy in the state of uh Anglester or whatever the college name is yeah and I also thought uh about this you know maybe I could be overthinking it but um how they're pushing diversity how that's it just seems like a, a thickness. And ever since the, uh, um, you know, ever since the pandemic, uh, there's this push for, you know, inclusion and all that kind of stuff, which I think is ironic because um, maybe people correct me if I'm wrong, but like the first, the very first uh, Black student there was 1968, right? And here we are, 2020. I don't know, I think this takes place in 2021, maybe. 2000, yeah, 2021. I don't know if she's the second one or if they had others, because just in terms of what I've seen in film, they didn't, you know, um, I'm guessing maybe maybe she's the second one. And then you have um, the headmaster, which is uh, Regina Hall's character. So it's like, um, I noticed even in real life, you can have like the first black this, the first black that. 
And then 50 years later, because that was like, what, 50 something years ago. So it's like, okay, every 50 years you have, and it's like, oh, see all these, you know, see all, so we are being inclusive in society. We are being, you know, um, then you put, because they, there was just like I said, there was a microaggression moment when they, uh, they said, oh, you're the first black headmaster and they start calling her Obama and you're going to be president next. And, uh, you know, that, you know, she felt uncomfortable in that spot. So it's like, just because, you know, somebody uh, has this big, uh, you know, um, this big status, right? So it's like, oh, you become some, you know, you become uh, a poster child for diversity and so on and so forth. But yet, you know, for 50 years, you know, there's 50 years difference between the first time you even had a black student. Now, 50 years later, you have a headmaster. So it's like, oh, we're making progress. So, um, you know, I just kind of noticed that. So I don't know what you guys have to say about that. Well, on the inclusion piece or diversity piece, I mean, I've, I've, I tell my students this all, students this all the time when we talk about um, these issues. Unfortunately, I think we're at a juncture where people um, don't necessarily look too closely when it comes to this because there's a difference. I'm not talking about you, Kenyatta. I'm just saying um, the college itself is talking about, you know, its diversity in terms of, you know, this professor who's up for tenure and you're the first black this and that, whatever, and the black students. So take that examination of someone trying to get tenure, a person called trying to get tenure at that school and expanding it to the, 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 the greater society. We're talking about inclusion on many different levels in politics, whether it be a, a vice president in this case of this administration or whatever, but simply being present Simply being a person of color or a woman or whatever, you know, a marginalized group you might be from, simply being present is not necessarily uh, diversification or inclusion, right? If that were the case, if simply being present were inclusion, uh, were representation, uh, then Clarence Thomas would have been a representative of black folk, but he's not. He's black, but not representative of black people, right? Representation is more than just simply having the face of something. Um, and that's the kind of the danger of identity politics. Um, and I think that's hinted at here, um, certainly with, with uh, one of the characters, simply identifying with a group or believing you're a part of a group is not representation. Uh, simply um, being of or from a certain place is not representation. Representation comes um, when you are of that group you recognize your connection to that group and you operate as if the people you're coming from are a constituency that you're consistent with in terms of your behavior, right? So if your behavior is different than those from which you come, you're not representing, you're actually doing the opposite, right? So um, what these colleges want in terms of the fictional and caster college in this case, what folks want in politics is somebody who looks like they are a person of color or looks like they're you know, female, whatever the case may happen to be, but still maintains the status quo in terms of their thinking around what's happened in the past. So they will be present, but not represent. And that's the, the dilemma they have with the teacher up for tenure here. And she's present. The question is, you know, is she, you know, um, assimilated enough to the, the culture of the college to consider her? Is she going to represent 
the culture they believe she's from, or is she going to be, you know, fall in lockstep or in line with the community that's already there that has a longstanding tradition? That's, you know, presence versus representation. It's evidence in this film, and, it, and it's a discussion we should have in the larger society about politics, um, business, and, and what have you. That often does not happen because people think of identity as being what someone looks like or where they happen to come from, as opposed to what they think, believe, and how they act in terms of uh, the, the moves they make, what they execute on the job. Well, Mark giving us lessons this Sunday. Wow. I hope everyone is taking notes. Uh, preach. Yeah, coach, preach. There you go. I mean, there you go. All right. But yeah, uh, everything, everything Mark just said. Yeah. I'll write it down. Yeah. That's uh, it's all great. Uh, it's great lesson work and uh, something to take around, but yeah, more on that uh, sort of, uh, you know, the, the, the college does honor, you know, it honors it in uh, sort of uh, the first black student in 1968. But what they don't, uh, they, what they don't say afterwards is that uh, that person either was hung or lynched or something afterwards. And they, you know, they praise, you know, just the presence of that, like, like Mark was saying, they just praise the presence of it, but they don't uh, go into the details of what happened afterwards, you know, which is the case with a lot of our history. You know, we, we praise a lot of, you know, um, we praise a lot of goalposts that happen within our history, but then we don't follow through. We don't actually ask, well, what happened afterwards? Did anything change, you know, after the fact, or did it, what, were the lessons learned? Were there anything? And, and by and large, that doesn't happen. You know, that, uh, you know, we, we really want symbols rather than just the history of what uh, is going on. And I think that, you know, that that's just a little moment in this movie, but it's such a, it's such a great encapsulation of, of, uh, of represent, you know, of, you know, what representation really means to, you know, the, the powers that be um so yeah again it's it, yeah this is a very dense movie like uh, you know I, I know there's going to be a lot of talk oh you know it wasn't scary quote unquote um i mean i thought it was pretty scary i, I think all of us pretty found some pretty you know uh terrifying stuff in it but it's not you know scary in that sort of traditional sense you know you know you have your exorcist you have your jaws you know this is scarier on like a more like almost psychological level like you have to really uh it's giving you a lived in experience just like uh, other movies that we've mentioned uh, it's giving you a lived in experience that's you know of of a of, you know for myself not a perspective that's not my own and that's you know what i come to i keep on saying this is what i come to movies for to give me uh give me a sort of a different perspective on things and here that's definitely the case it's sure. like you know i I've heard people talk about uh, 12 years displayed being a drama, but for me, it's a horror story. It's, it's horror. I mean, I mean the, the idea that, that you know, certain, certain things can happen to you in a given space just because of who you are, I think is horror. You know, um, you, don't, you don't need a jump scare. It's just that, you know, these places exist where you can be easily uh, dismissed and made to feel as if you don't belong, and in, you can be in peril. Uh, if not for your life, maybe for your livelihood or your own sanity, that in itself, I think, is, is the definition of you know, horror, that you can be in peril just for being someplace. Yeah, one of the things that um, I'm tired of hearing is, um, you know, <clears throat> somebody mentioned, well, well, they asked a question, should they watch it or not? Um, and, and their concern was Black trauma. Um, black torture porn and all that kind of stuff but my thing is this is like it's a horror movie horrific things gonna happen because by definition horror horrific 
things, you know, not everything's going to be peaches or cream um, in a horror film. And, you know, you can't, you can't, anything, any horror movie that doesn't have horror in it, that's basically a drama or just another whole, another drama. But um, it's like Black folks wants to, they want to avoid any, it's kind of like, you know, Black folks, they, you know, when Roots first came out in the 70s, you know, uh, any, you know, film about slavery or um, the horrors of racism, uh, they want to avoid it because they want to get angry. Like the whole thing with Emmett Till, I don't know if anybody saw uh, Women of a Movement. Um, people purposely avoid that because they don't want to see, they'll get angry. So also, maybe people should be angry. I mean, if this thing, especially if things are still happen, happening, you could be like an ostrich putting your head in the sand. You're not going to do anything if you're not motivated to do so. If, if you're not angry about something, I mean, you can kind of uh, avoid, uh, you know, it's kind of like Morgan Freeman. If you ignore it, then it will, you know, it will, will no longer exist. <laughs> you know, that's like, I sound like some Nightmare on Elm Street bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Like the end of Nightmare on Elm Street, when she ignored Freddy, he disappeared. It's like, okay, that's pretty much um, um, the uh, Morgan Freeman concept. Um, uh, anyways, uh, so maybe if Emmett Till had closed his eyes and pretend those two men weren't coming to get him, they would have disappeared. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, so and I bring it up because this is why uh, racism. There's been a lot of uh, horror movies. Like I said, it started with Get Out, and um, and this one, and uh, Candyman, and other ones. I think this is why this it fits so well with the horror genre because like you said, being you know, imagine you're driving while black and getting pulled over and you're just gripping the uh the steering wheel, you're white knuckling it, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like, am I gonna go home today? You know what I'm saying? But you get that's a that's a horrific feeling. So this is why um the racism fits so well in the horror genre because it is horrific. Twelve years of slave, I, I could see that being a horror film. You know what I'm saying? Because it's 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 pretty dark. This is you know racism is some pretty dark stuff. So um, you know if you don't like horror films and if you don't want if you want to keep your head in the sand, I would definitely stay away from this film uh, or anything like it. So you don't have to ask, should I watch it or not? No, don't watch it. If you want to, if you don't want to get angry, if you think this uh, is triggering to you, it's up to you. You know, um, you're going to get triggered. You know, watch this kind of thing because it's just nature of the of the beast. Anyways, um, so I guess I have some questions too. Because um, like I said, 1968, the first black student you know, she was hung and everything. And one thing that was confusing me and that kind of threw me off was the whole witch thing. I know in the building they was holding the witch trials and so on and so forth. I just, like the first time around, even this time I was trying to watch it again to see what the connection was because it was kind of throwing me off. So it's like, then I was watching the second time. It was like, why, what is this whole, maybe I didn't finish just, watch it the second time I got like halfway through it so I'll just try to see what the connection was with the witch 
You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like, are they, it's just like a smoke screen, you know, because when, when the girl, she was pretty much hung, you know, she was lynched because even to this day, people still get lynched. And a lot of folks say that is fake news or they'll, you know, they, you know, they'll sweep that under the rug saying it was fake news that that really didn't really happen. If people know for a fact that it happened and it's a suicide, uh, so automatically they rule it suicide without even looking into it. So it's like, is this one of those things where she gets hung and they, 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 they use some kind of ghost story as a smoke screen? I guess this is the questions I have. So I don't know. You guys can help me out understand. I thought immediately, you know, we're here in Boston, the Boston area in New England. Um, and I thought about the Salem witch trials. And with the Salem witch trials, what one thing that's not, I don't think, widely known is that one of the women who was being accused of witchcraft is a woman named Tichuba. And Tichuba um, was a, um, a black woman who... Um, brought with her when she was uh, enslaved, I think her family was enslaved at some point, obviously to come over here. I don't, um, she might've even been enslaved here in New England because there was of course slavery here too. Folks forget about that. But um, she, within her own uh, ways of knowing, which is a religious, her own religious practice, uh, had brought with her her African ways of knowing, her African religious practices. And they thought she was having a negative influence on the other women around her and were leading, they were leading the, the white women in the area into a witchcraft. So a lot of this Salem witch stuff uh, is tied to teach you by an African woman who uh, was not you know, embracing um, Christianity, or if she was, she was uh, including some of her own you know, tradition within it. And that was part of this, you know, uh, you're a witch stuff, and, and she's gonna have a negative influence on the others. So we have to roast her. So the fact this is based in New England, I think kind of hints, I think at the Salem witch stuff. Um, and then with the with the story of Teacher Bob being a, a black woman who was accused of witchcraft and being kind of a ringleader of the, of the witches at one time or negative influence kind of ties into it as well. Now we have the introduction of a black student in 1968. What What's the influence of that student on the rest of the student body? What does it mean uh, about the college, including now black people? She had to be dealt with like Tichaba was dealt with, right? So I think that's what that whole thing was. That's my interpretation of it. Um, and here we have Jasmine. Um, don't know if she's, the, well, she's not the second because there's another black student, other black students there we see in the, 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 the film. One or two would speak to her, um, speak to um, either her or the Regina Hall character, Gail, right? But so, but still, the presence of, of these folks in what they thought was a white environment, what's the influence on the environment? Are they going to taint us in some way with their witchcraft or their different ways of, of understanding the world? That's what I took, you know, the whole witch thing to be a, a, a hint or a, a, a wink at uh, the Salem witch trial. Yeah, that's what that's yeah. I think that's a that's a good way to take it. The way I sort of uh, and of course there's also uh, you know, references to Scarlett, Nathaniel Hawthorne, uh, the Hester Prince syndrome, where you're marked. You know, you're marked, and the society shuns you. And there's of course a little uh, there's some allusions there to uh, what is uh, uh, to the especially in the case of Jasmine of what's going on with her experience. But um, uh, the way I took it is that that's sort of like. Um, uh, it's the 
it's the Candyman syndrome or the, the Candyman sort of thing that uh, it takes these, you know, real life uh, horror stories, but then kind of mystifies them. And, you know, there's, and whenever you do that, there's like, there's disconnect, like there's, well, that, that's just, those are just stories. Those are just, you know, that's just folklore and everything. This isn't, this didn't really happen. And, you know, there's a disconnect there. Uh, and so that's, uh, and that, that's the reasoning of, you know, some, um, uh, some prominent politicians that uh, that want to try to keep all this stuff, you know, that, that stuff didn't really happen. Or if it did happen, it happened so far, you know, in the past that it doesn't matter. And again, it goes back to the inability to interrogate history uh, of both this college of uh, and of of a nation at large. That yeah, you know, we just don't we don't interrogate our history. We don't really. We just kind of are spoon fed, you know, all these dates and historical figures, and just uh, take it wholesale. At least the, uh, at least uh, I should say the uh, by and large the curriculum that we are prescribed to. Yeah, and that's kind of interesting. You say that. Um... All I got to say, whoever's listening to this, I mean, you can't get this kind of analysis anywhere but here. <laughs> but, um, yeah, if, 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 you know, just based on what you just said, um, somebody can winter and and you have just, like I said, I, I'm calling it a smoke screen, but pretty much, you, you know, I like how you put it, you know, kind of like that Candyman syndrome where you mystify a real event uh, and people don't really take it seriously. They just take it out pretty much a ghost story. Um, somebody can venture and, you know, it's going to be, it's, you know, it goes into annals, the, the, the annals of, um, mystic, you know, mystery, mysticism or whatever, you know what I'm saying? But uh, what Mark said, um, what this society has, historically has a habit of doing is to take a person's belief system and, de- and recontextualize it in, in a way that it um, it demonizes it. If you think about even uh, um, witchcraft, is you know they call you know witches. The whole Wicca, you know, culture is. Um, if you ask people who practice that, even to this day, you know they they could tell you like the real, you know, story behind this. Like voodoo is. Voodoo. There's a there's a um a documentary on that. I I have to remember the uh the name of it, but um you know voodoo. You have movies like Serpent in the Rainbow, who mysticize voodoo, and uh, if you think about the whole rebellion in Haiti, the Haiti Revolution, where they gained the independence, they fought, and they pretty much at the forefront of their belief system was voodoo. And voodoo is not like you know. Um, it gets it gets it gets it gets um, excuse me. It gets um, re, like I said, recontextualized, chopped and skewed, and um, to the point where you can't recognize the real thing. Everybody, you know, every time you hear voodoo, you think about the recontextualized, mysticized, mysticized version of it. You know which is pretty much the wrong version because all Buddha was, was they, um, they worship the earth and mother nature and so on and so forth. And um, you're not getting a real version of it, so to speak. And, um, and that's an interesting history that you bring up, uh, Mark. So uh, thank you for that information. I never knew that about the um, whole Salem thing. And uh, uh, go ahead. Yeah, there's a good book. You talk about voodoo, um, called Neo, 
hoodoo, because voodoo is also known as hoodoo, and it, it's it, it actually talks about voodoo in the arts and art form, um, uh, how it, it manifests itself um, in the visual arts, neo hoodoo, and like you mentioned, it, it's just talking. Voodoo is just a religious system that, again, it's in the African sense, it's, it's a way of knowing, it's, it's a way of understanding the world around you. And because of that, um, they recognize and, 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 and uh, respect the physical attributes and gifts that, that the earth has given them, right? So there's a respect for the land. It's pretty similar to what you're talking about with a lot of different indigenous um, um can't call American, but this land, right? The land we're on. There's a respect yeah. of the land and and nature, and you're at one with it. You're being at one with nature, as opposed to being versus nature. Um, it's a respect that this society had to demonize because this society we're in now um, wants profits at all costs. If it means destroying nature, so be it. So for those folks who have a belief system around nurturing nature and being at one with nature and being in harmony with nature, you have to squash that idea because that's going to prevent you from making some cash, right? So that's why there's this war um, with, I'd say, Western religions and those religions that are are based in nature. Um, I shouldn't even call them Western. They're... um, because this is we're in the West, right? And, and there are indigenous cultures that have uh, nature-based religions. I can say, you know, this is fine. The three Abrahamic religions, Christianity, Judaism, and, and uh, Islam, in some ways are at war with um, other more indigenous religions and sometimes even older religions. Well, well, even, even Christianity has been recontextualized from... Um, this is a book by Furpo Carr that kind of explains the... Um, the origins of Christianity, but if you re- if you look at the book Birth of a Nation, you had Nat Turner who read from the same Bible, and they allowed him to preach. And what he was doing, he was um, he took the same exact religion and found the verses uh, in the Bible that kind of that that will connect with the slaves that ultimately led to rebellion. So. Um, you know, in order to um, not have like an oppressed people to utilize kind of like these mechanisms, like these belief systems that they can um, challenge oppression and overcome oppression like the Haitian Revolution uh, Neris did, um, you have to you have to stop that in the beginning. That's why they couldn't read and all that kind of stuff. The reason I bring this up because you know, just I'm just kind of piggybacking off of what you said earlier. But um, yeah, that was my question. I was just trying to get a connection with the whole witch stuff, you know, uh, with the rest of the story. Because when I first saw it, it didn't seem to fit. So and um, and that's that kind of made that made me question, you know. How, how much you know? Ultimately, I would like this film. So I said, let me look at it again and you try to answer some of these questions I had for my first go around. My question is around maybe it's not even a question, more of a statement around if you go on IMDb and, and see the ratings, it is four point something, right? And is that due in part to people who, like you mentioned before, don't want to? Um, be triggered by this or think of it as, as trigger porn or I don't know what we want to call it, but torture porn and or is it, you know, 
individuals who um, don't like for the messages in it that you know the society and the college, college being a proxy for the society, is guilty for um, driving people who are black and women in this case uh, crazy or um, making them again change who they are to fit in. They might say this is a woke movie and some folks will use wokeness as a pajorative, some use it as praise. Depends on who you are. And I think those who think of wokeness as a pejorative are the ones who are slapping that low rating on it, right? Possibly. You know some, And I hate kind of like how you t- this is like a, a theme here, like when you take something, you urse it and you recontextualize it. Like, for example, even the word woke, Mark, I'm pretty sure you know where I'm coming from, where woke, you know, uh, as a terminology, uh, contentedly uh, meant something different uh, in the beginning. So woke just meant that, you know, to black folks, it meant that you were aware of your history. And, um, you know, so, so like if you were well read about history, you know Malcolm X, you know uh, all the events. And so, the more you read and know more about Black history, you would consider woke. You know what I'm saying? So, but now it means something totally different. You know, we have a movie like that has that seems to uh, have gay characters in it just for the sake of diversity, uh, women, and just for the sake. I'm, I'm using quotation marks. I know you guys can't see it. But um, and then you have like the liberal conservatives, they'll de- they'll demonize they'll demonize it by calling it woke. So they recontextualize that terminology from what it originally conservatively meant to us. Now it's like it it, it kind of lost its meaning from its original connotation for us. So it's kind of like you hijacked our <laughs> our terminology, you know, and and, and, and just. It means something totally different, and that that kind of pisses me off, you know. But um, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like anytime you have somebody who's speaking truth to power, you have to find a way to uh, discredit them, and that's the way of discrediting the word by by saying, you know, woke is all of these things. You know, uh, same thing with the, the term CRT. Anything that you know, could in some way threaten the society, the way it operates, and or even, you know, allows people to see it through a different lens is something that has to be attacked, discredited, or smeared, um, or connected with something that's totally unrelated to it that, that allows those who are not uh, well-read to say, yes, it's about this, not about that. Exactly. Um, I'm going on a, on a tangent right here a little bit, but even if it's the, 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 um, the nominee for the Supreme Court position, Ketanji uh, Brown-Jackson, um, for some reason, well, not some reason, we know why, um, people in the Senate were trying to link her with being soft on like child pornography, all this kind of stuff. See, th- th- there's nothing in the record to suggest that, but if you take somebody that discredit them, that smear them, that smear the word woke, that smear her, that smear CRT, that smear everything that could possibly shed light on what actually does go on. You've got to find a way to taint it because the people who don't uh, read or the people who don't inform themselves or the people who just don't want to uh, think differently will grab onto that thing you're associating with that person or that word and run with it. There was a, there was a scene, right? I just want to just take the discussion back a little bit. 
when we talk about, you know, um, my question I had with, about the connection with the witch and everything, there was a scene where, um, and, I, and I can I relate to this scene very much because it actually happened to me, uh, where she, I guess she wakes up and then she goes through the door and somebody uh, puts a graffiti on her door. They, they uh, sketch the word leave on the door and there's a noose hanging on the door now, you know? And um, the reason why I relate to it so much because when I was in uh, college, I went to Bridgewater State College and um, I was a freshman and it was towards the end of the year. Then one day I wake up, go to the bathroom, it was early in the morning uh, and somebody put, you know, shaving cream on my door, the N-word. And then I noticed that there was a note on the ground. Uh, somebody said a note on the the door and you read the, the letter it's all kind of and where's this and all this so it's like when i when i when it comes to triggering you know it's like wow you know um when, when, you know in terms of experience of racism in society this is you know um i didn't experience it so much i mean you heard about it, you hear about it you know, but I, my very first experiences was in college. Just think about it, this is this is this movie is what it's it's a university, you know. So and I think that's um, was in terms of a setting. I think that's a very good setting because a lot of the black folks who experience real racism, if you're not getting pulled over by a police or whatever, whatever. Um, I mean, you you do like there's some little microaggressions maybe in school consistency. Anyways, but your very first like um, outright experience of racism happens in college, and, and, I, and I read somewhere there's these statistics that that's true. Where um, that level of racism is the first time if you're black you experience it to that level is in college, especially as a freshman. So, um, so I really related to that to that to that scene. So I'm thinking myself. I looked over my wife. It's like, who, because it's like, was it, was it a ghost who, who, who wrote that? Or was it student? The student, you know, one of the students. Because remember, right before that scene, uh, her roommate didn't come to, to the room. They had a party that night, night before, you know, she woke up and found this. Uh, her roommate liked this guy. And this is guy that made that microaggression comment about Beyonce, blah, blah, blah. They end up kissing at that party, and, she, and the roommate walks in. She gets upset. So it's like it's kind of like this ambiguity. Did the was the uh, roommate had anything to do with it? Because ironically, she wasn't. She didn't come home. Uh, she could be upset because she really liked this guy, and the guy kissed her. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, can you blame it on? Is it the witch? So I think that was kind of like um, a nice touch in terms of storytelling where you have that ambiguity there and have the audience kind of guessing. I agree, yeah. I think uh, it's the Rorschach, right? I think it's going to be, the culprit will be who you want it to be or who you think it's going to be based upon your experiences. Um, because as you mentioned, the scene prior, the roommate you know, is ticked off because she sees the kiss happen between uh, Jasmine and the boy she, she has her eye on, right? So. At the same time, it could have been anybody in the dorm who didn't like her, or it could have been people who wanted to um, 
kind of drum up more discussion around the witch, right? Or it could have been the witch herself, you know, if this witch does exist. So it's left amb ambiguous because that ambiguity puts you in the mindset of Jasmine herself, who doesn't know what's going on. She's kind of confused, she doesn't know where this is coming from, and it could be from anywhere. The idea that it could come from anywhere is scarier than the idea that, that, that her roommate did it, in my mind, because you don't know who to trust, you don't know whom to, 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 to confide in. You're, in many ways, uh, feeling alone on that campus. And I think that's what it's supposed to conjure up, those feelings. I mean, racism itself could be ambiguous, too. Like, for example, like, you could experience um, something and you wonder it's like was this grounded in racism you know what I'm saying it's like because so many times like uh, people say oh why you always have to you know bring race to everything and all these kind of like gaslighting language you know um, like for a long time for example the black community complained about the um, uh, the government being responsible for flooding the black community with crack cocaine, so on and so forth. So for a very long time, people said it was a figment of imagination, so on and so forth. And get, like Gary Webb is a white guy. He's a journalist. He exposed it. He has a book out called Dark Alliance. He got killed because of what he exposed and they tried to see a suicide. I don't know how you could blow the back of your head off with a shotgun, but um, I guess the point is that 20, 30 years later, um, nobody apologized. It's like black folks are accused of, you know, say it's a fake imagination. And when it's proven to be correct, you know, nobody said, oh, you were right the whole time. I apologize for accusing. But that's kind of like the experience where this lady and this um, young woman in this movie, what's she going to say? She's going to say, oh, this is a racist, uh, you know, incident. And people could easily say, oh, maybe you sleepwalk, maybe you did it. Maybe it was the witch, you know, maybe it was, you know what I'm saying? So a lot of times, you know, because you can't really prove the intent of, per, of, of people's, you know, uh, behavior. If you can't prove, like if you have a caught them red handed, if you did, you know, so they can be, you know, um, they could throw, you know, anyways, so, so, so I'm just gonna throw that, that out there. So that's why I thought that scene was interesting. So, well, I mean, we've uh, yeah, we already mentioned uh, you know critical race theory, CRT, and we 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 definitely get a sort of uh, moment uh, right at the end uh, with uh, Regina Hall, and uh, you know she's uh, she's walking back from you know uh, uh, she's walking back from that party the way she confronts her uh, you know her friend you know who she uh, previously believed was black, but may not have been, uh, maybe it may have been raised white at the very least, but uh, she's walking back to the campus. And then, um, you know, the, the uh, campus, uh, campus security walks up to her and asks for her ID, you know, even though she's uh, been, obviously been around for quite some time. Uh, she's had, uh, she's, she's a tenured professor, in fact. So, but, uh, and then she says, uh, she, and then she ostensibly she just quits on the spot, you know, and there's, uh, you know, there's endless discussions and endless think pieces about, uh, can you actually change these kind of, whether that's, uh, you know, um, 
college universities, police departments, you know, criminal justice. Uh, can you change these institutions from the inside out? And it's an in, it's an, there's endless debates and endless sort of uh, um, sort of uh, uh, arguments on either side on uh, what what can be done. But um, you know, by and large, uh, Regina Hall's character just finally says, "Yeah, it's. I mean, you may be able to change this institution, but I, you know, I can't put up with this anymore. Um, it's not going to be me. I, you know, I've, you know, I, I've seen enough. I've, you know, hope maybe she goes off to a uh, uh, HBCU to, you know, to, um, yeah. Again, there's endless, there's endless discussion on, you know, can we change these institutions from the inside out, uh, given enough people? But uh, you know, her character decides, you know, it, it's not for me." It's not going to be, uh, I'm going to try doing other things. I'm going to try my own uh, methods elsewhere. Well, you know, to answer the question, can you change these institutions? Um, you can't change that one. At least, at least uh, well, maybe you can do some incremental change that makes it uh, slightly better uh, over time for students like Jasmine, right? But in terms of changing the core of who they are and how they operate, um, they're fully immersed and entrenched in this idea of, of the tradition of the college um, and to make any wholesale changes would mean to uh, forego that tradition. And that, I can't see a space like that wanting to, to, to give up that tradition. That is their identity is what makes them who they are. And if you're someone who's not traditionally a student in that space, then their idea should be that you're, you're, you're to be um, grateful for having a spot here in this place where all this tradition lies, where they even mentioned that, you know, former presidents and dignitaries had graduated from the institution. Um, what we're doing here is right as evidenced by these people who we've produced um, and the reputation that we do have. So you're gonna ask us to give up all of that for you. There's nothing but, you know, um, negativity that can come from that. There's no positive gain for the whole. It's only gain for the few who, who might see themselves as being different from the traditionalists there. We're not gonna risk all that for you. As a matter of fact, the distance we have um, between ourselves and the unwashed masses is what makes us special, right? The fact that we are not of the same, cut from the same cloth as these other people is what makes us who we are. We're not gonna give that up, are you kidding me? So, no, you can't change a place like that. Even where I am, like in a public uh, school, um, there, there's a lot of change that needs to happen in the place where I am. Um, I see myself making incremental changes to benefit uh, marginalized students. Um, but again, they're incremental, they're tiny changes. I'm not gonna change the entire institution. They're very resistant to change. Um, I understand why they are. I don't justify them being that, but I understand why they are. Um, and I, those people who come into the space where I am, who are like me, who think they're going to make wholesale changes, often leave, um, much like <laughs> Regina Hall. <laughs> and I've at times wanted to leave myself, but I, I, I am where I am because I, I see the benefit of me being there for the students who look like me. So long story short, those kind of institutions that are even much more steeped in tradition than mine are not likely to change um, because it's that tradition that makes them special. Well, I personally would like to conclude with um, something that, uh, that um, you said earlier, Jeff, about this is a different type of horror film because, you know, 
I know a lot, some, some, you know, a lot of folks there, they're tired of jump scares. Some people, they expect horror films with jump scares. Okay, but a lot of us, um, that's not really scary. Okay, you jump a little, but it, it seems kind of cheap. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, this is a different horror film in terms of, uh, you know, uh, the typical fare, you know, like, uh, you know, Halloween and uh, franchise and, uh, you know, Friday 13th and all that kind of stuff. So when you think about horror movies, you think about those type of horror films, but this is more is steeped in mood and um, like you said, it's like a slow burn and has a lot of symbolism. And I uh, implore people, yeah, yeah, you know, I am DB is uh, got a rating of 4.8 out of 10 stars, but you know, I implore you to, I, I, I recommend it. And um, actually I recommend multiple viewings uh, because maybe after listening to us, Maybe you could go in, but because when you, I never heard of this film. It was like you said, Mark. It wasn't. It was a lot of publicity around it. I I heard about it um, on a Thursday, and it came out the next day. You know, so I was like, "What is this?" I had no idea what it was. I didn't know who directed it. Um, I didn't know everybody who was in it, and I just watched it because I did see the previews and. Um, you know, every Friday I kind of look out to see what's out on Amazon Prime or, you know, Netflix or whatever. So I said, okay, let me give it a try. So I went in cold, you know, pretty, pretty much. So, um, and this is, yeah, like I said, it's like uh, get out, you know, just multiple viewings because you might miss something the first time. And it, 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 it makes you think, you know what I mean? Um, like a Us, uh, another film by Jordan Peele what have you, but um, um, it's the last, you know, when I saw it the first time, it was a couple of weeks ago, so I kind of forgot how it ended, and uh, if, if she did say, if she quit, it's like, no, son, I'm done, I'm going to HBCU, you know what I mean? You, you could kind of understand, <laughs> you know, after all this stuff that they're going through, you know what I mean? And, um, and if you think about it, um, well, it makes me think about like, uh, you know, like I said, there's more than a lot of black um, students on campus and there's this thing called one nigga at a time or one Negro at a time rule. So anything past a certain number of black folks in an institution or whatever the you know, situation, things get uncomfortable, really uncomfortable. Cause I've heard, trust me, I heard it all, man. Um, like if there's too many black folks, uh, in a certain situation and people start questioning, it's like, oh, um, they're only here for, you know, because of firm of action. Um, they're taking a spot, a spot from a, um, taking away a spot from a well, more well-deserving white person, so on and so forth, right? But at the same time, um, the stereotypes about black folks and poverty and violence and stuff like that, they'll say, oh, why, why don't they better themselves by going to college, right? But if you get more than five black folks in the college, then you criticize that. It's like, you're taken away from, so you can't have it both ways. So, but then you go to a HBCU, oh, HBCUs, that's reverse racism. I'm like, God damn, <laughs> you know, you can't have it. Okay, on the one hand, you say, oh, 
Um, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Go get your education. You go get your education. Too many black folks go get an education or you're taken from a white person. Okay, you know some. So I go to HBCU or HBCU that's reverse racism. I say, come on, man. You know, this, you, you, you're giving the person no way to go. You get what I'm saying? So, um, so I, I think all this, I mean, this this movie's not saying all this, but all, you know, the, it's, it's there, you know, um, and you'll get that based on your personal experiences in life. So, um, yeah, so movies I recommend, like um, I mentioned earlier, Birth of a Nation, um, uh, 12 Years a Slave, Get Out Us. Um, what else? Um, they, there's a, um, it's a series called They on, um, I think we, we reviewed that, I can't remember, but, um, they, that's on, um, uh, Amazon. I think it's them, right? Isn't it them? Is it them or they? Oh, shit. Damn. Okay. Let me, let me look it up and I'll, and I'll get back to you. But, um, yeah. So, so that's my recommendation. So, yeah, so that's, my, that's why I will conclude with that. Yeah. So I definitely recommend, uh, Master. Um, and as Kenyatta suggested, multiple viewings, uh, you have to, um, it, it, I don't think, this can't be background viewing, right? I think you have to, watch it and i think people are not often in the habit of, of watching something anymore now it's background noise i'm i'm, I'm writing something and i'm watching the movie in the background i'm, I'm you know cooking dinner and watching the movie in the background you'll catch you'll miss some of the subtleties miss some of the nuances and at the same time if you're not familiar with some of the things we talked about today in terms of witch trials and whatnot um familiarize yourself with that it might help you get an appreciation uh, uh, for that movie, but I'd also like, like to recommend a movie that seemingly isn't related, but in some ways it actually is. Um, again, I mentioned that this movie is uh, one that I would consider to be uh, in the horror genre. You know, you don't need jump scares or a slasher to be in the horror genre, but I'm going to link it to a movie that's in the drama category, even though there's like at least one or two scenes that's pretty horrific for me. And that is a movie directed by uh, Denzel Washington, the great debaters. And, you know, it's on a college campus, black college, HBCU, Wiley College in Marshall, Texas. And it brings about questions of what I mentioned before in terms of the governance structure and the social structure. The question is, you know, who are we as black people to each other? And then who are we to the, the, the uh, larger, whiter audience? Um, what do we value? And throughout most of that movie, they're firmly entrenched and focused on the governance structure about who they are to you know, each other um, and affirming that. What's frustrating is that, you know, I guess the cherry on top of the movie, um, the thing that, that gives um, in the eyes of the many who watch the movie, um, who gives the, the, the debate team legitimacy is them going up against a, a white university. In the movie, it's Harvard, but in real life, they defeat Oxford, not Harvard. Um, which, of course, is you know as prestigious, if not more than, than Harvard. Um, and you know, many an HBCU has spanked Harvard, including mine. Morehouse has beaten three or four times, so we have to find somebody else to, to beat up on. But um, yeah, if, if you're measuring yourself um, being in a marginalized group, 
uh, versus the dominant culture, and that is like the the, the um, ultimate in your eyes, that's a bit of a letdown too. Because throughout the whole movie, they, they're really their 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 main opponent is themselves and other folk like them. And if you're regarding, you know, let's just say white folk, whether it's Harvard, Oxford, whomever, as as being better than you, and you defeat them. What does that then say about you and how you feel about yourself? So that, that's that's the, that's the social structure at play there. And in this movie, as I mentioned before, that's happening as well, social versus governance structure arguments. So great debaters is why I recommend. Check that out um, if you have not seen it. And just a vote, there is a correction. This, the, the, t the TV series is um, them. It's not they, so I just want to make that correction. All right. Well, yeah. Um, so, yeah, of course, uh, yeah, this this one is highly recommended. Yeah, every, um, co-signing everything, everything else people said. This is not a do your laundry movie. You have you really have to pay attention. Uh, there's stuff going on in the background. There's stuff going on in the foreground. There's stuff going on everywhere in terms of in, even in dialogue, a certain emphasis on certain words and uh, how things, you know, how people react to certain phrases and uh, situations. Yeah, this is uh, you have you really have to pay attention to uh, what's going on to really get the full picture of um, you know what the this horror movie really is about. As we've uh, tried to sort of uh, uh, illustrate with our discussion, we're fine discussion here. But uh, so my recommendations are twofold. Uh, one is uh, from 2014, that is uh, Justin Simeon's Dear White People. Uh, it sort of takes the, um, it takes a different approach to the uh, exposing sort of um, the rot, if you will, in a lot of these uh, ivory tower institutions uh, via a uh, black voice. And uh, it started uh, Tessa Thompson's career, basically. It was her really big, huge role. And the Ashton's gone on to many others, including uh, Passing last year. Uh, and also the series that the Netflix series uh, based on it is also very good. I didn't quite get to the last season yet. I didn't uh, I didn't hear the greatest things about it, but uh, the first uh, three or so seasons are also terrific. Um, also from uh, Justin Simeon. But uh, yeah, both of those highly recommended. Uh, they take a sort of a different approach to uh, critiquing academia, but uh, much, it's much more satirical uh, rather than horror. But uh, there's, there's certainly some horror elements uh, sprinkled throughout that uh, uh, bring out the message. And um, yeah, I mean, I think everything that I could possibly say has already been said the previous and uh, throughout the discussion. And uh, yeah, I was just glad we could have this. So if I could just add one more recommendation, this is not a movie, but a TV show. I mean, that is the show itself. One particular episode, though, though I appreciate the series, one episode in particular that is, is governance and social structure and horror story all wrapped into one. If you've not seen so far this year, um, the first episode of season three, of Atlanta, check that out. That is governance, social structure, and horror, and ripped from the headlines, all wrapped into one. I won't say any more about that. Excellent pick. Well, all right. We hope you enjoyed our stirring discussion on this work of the true horrors that lurk on the periphery of Ivory Tower Academia. Next time up, we're talking about that slap heard across the world, and also X, the latest horror homage from House of the Devil director Ty West. 
feel free to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts and other platforms. You can support this podcast and the Screenwriters Group with a monthly donation by clicking the support button at anchor.fm. You can join Kenyatta and I at our virtual Screenwriters Forums by RSVPing either on meetup.com and or Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our forum recordings and other videos. Links are in the description. We wish you all the best in your writing and other life's pursuits. Get vaxxed, stay masked, and be safe out there.